Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hi, and welcome to this week's Amazing If podcast. We're Helen and Sarah, the founders of Amazing If, a business which is all about helping people to have happy careers. And this week, we're continuing our series on confidence gremlins, where we're talking about the top 10 confidence gremlins that get in our way at work. And our episode today is going to focus on a fear of presenting. So before we go into a fear of presenting and how it holds you back and how it makes us all feel, just a quick reminder on what confidence gremlins are and why they matter. So the first thing to say is we all have confidence gremlins. This isn't something that is just about a fear if you're starting out in your career, even if you're kind of senior, we've all got these voices in our heads that are telling us we maybe can't do something or we're not going to be successful at something, but essentially they hold us back. And they matter because they stop us doing things that are going to help us get better in our jobs. And a lot of the time, they're just assumptions that we carry around, often for quite a long time in our career, and we never actually test those things. And the real trick is understanding what your confidence gremlin is so that you can do something about it. And that's what this series is all about. It's about telling you what the 10 most common ones are and sharing our ideas and tips to help you to overcome them. So on to a fear of presenting. I'm going to be talking to Sarah about how a fear of presenting has potentially come up in her career and we'll be sharing some ideas for you. So Sarah, what's your, what are your thoughts on how a fear of presenting can hold people back at work? Uh, well, I think there are a couple of things. I think the first thing is lots of people don't like presenting. So I think it's really, really common. And I then think people spend a lot of time and energy worrying about it, preparing for it, and it becomes very all-consuming and something that really kind of then dominates everything that you're doing and almost to the extent that you forget the content or the work that you're trying to do because you are so distracted by the fact you're going to have to get up in front of some of these people and present. Yeah. So I think that's one way it can hold people back is it just becomes this overwhelming fear um, and then takes loads more time and energy than it needs to. I think secondly, people are also maybe a bit unrealistic about what an amazing presentation has to look and feel like and sound like. Sometimes people look at these very polished, very perfect presenters who maybe mm. present all the time and feel, I need to be exactly like that. That's what a great presenter looks like. That's what I'm aspiring to. And that feels often quite unrealistic, quite tough and almost unreachable. So again, almost that fear becomes worse because you're thinking, well, how the hell do I ever become this incredible TED presenter yeah, that I've seen? You watch TED and you see yeah. these really inspiring people. You're like, how do I do that in my meeting with four people at work? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not quite the level you might need on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So do you think actually being confident in presenting is important at work? Do you think it's important to have a happy career? 
Yeah, I think it is because I think most of us don't work by ourselves. I think it's very rare now to find any job where you're sitting in isolation, tapping away at your laptop all day. We all need to interact with people, influence people, persuade people. And when we say presenting, you might just be presenting to two or three people or you might be presenting to 300 people and actually being confident doing everything in between and potentially, I guess, the things that are particularly relevant for your job and what you're trying to achieve can help you be more effective at work. And I think when you're more effective, you get the opportunities you're looking for and ultimately, hopefully, then you're kind of happier in what you're doing. There might be something in that in itself that, you know, when people have a fear and they tie it to a word like presenting, it suddenly becomes this magnified thing in their mind. Whereas if you think about it more as it's about communicating or engaging or influencing and less about this concept of being a brilliant presenter, actually people might be able to reframe that in their minds and have kind of lesser fear associated with what it means. Yeah, and I think most people when they think of presenting, it's a bit like networking, Mm. one of those where you get like people cringing, it's almost like as soon as you say the word. I think most people think of networking as being like really cringy events, you know, we have to meet loads of new people you've never met before, and people think of presenting as being by yourself, at the front of a room, in front of lots of people, and then you know, even scarier, potentially being put on the spot with questions afterwards, in, you know, the worst yeah. case scenario. So that's quite a narrow definition of presenting. And often then I challenge people to think about, OK, is it all presenting that you're worried about or is it a particular type of presenting? Because actually for me personally, the presenting I get most nervous about is rooms of between 15 and 20 people. It's quite specific. Yeah, why, really specific. Why is that? I think because in a smaller group, I feel like I can get more of a connection with people, build more of relationships, easier to make eye contact with everybody. And in a bigger room, you're actually, you know, you can prepare beforehand. I actually don't mind speaking in public. And so I can be kind of quite organised and prepared for those things. Often those things are a bit more one way. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of standing up, you can do your presentation and then you can sit down again. Whereas in that 15 to 20 sort of scenario, it's usually quite a big room, quite difficult to make those connections. And you're getting very little feedback. I think that's the thing. You're not getting, you're often not getting that much dialogue. It's not really a conversation in quite the same way. So it does feel more like a presentation, but then not in a more formal way. So it's sort of, for me, it's that in-between one, which for some people, they might kind of go, well, I'm really confident in that area. So I'd really encourage people to think about if you have got a fear of presenting, what kind of presenting, what type of presenting, what scenarios, is it to certain people, certain environments, and then really hone on, well, what can I do about that specific fear rather than just presenting generally? You can go into it a little bit more, can't you, with the kind of those why, why, whys. So if I think about mine, it's not about the 15 to 20. It wouldn't really matter to me if it was a five or a hundred. But it's probably, if this is a confidence gremlin for me, it would show up more in presenting formally yeah. to my peers. So people who work for me, absolutely fine with. People who are more senior than me, fine with. Yeah. But a group of 20, 30, 40 of my peers, I think I would probably feel that fear would be more present, the gremlin would be more active in that environment. And if I asked myself why, 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 I think it would be because I was probably feeling more challenged by those people or that those people might be more... thinking about you, they're judging you. Yeah, a bit more critical. And I think actually if you can get under the root of that a little bit more, it can help you understand where your confidence gremlin is coming from. Like you say, it's a bit too simplistic to just say... I have a fear of presenting. <laughs> that's that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what other actions? So we talked about getting under the skin of what actually your confidence gremlin is and understanding the specific situations where a fear of presenting might show. What other things do you think people could do if, they, if they're, they're aware this is a fear for them at work? I think there's some really practical things to think about. So the first one that I find really helpful is 
imagine you are listening to a presentation because you're as well as giving presentations or communicating to people you will also be on the receiving end of lots of people presenting to you lots of the time so when you're listening to people present what really works for you and often it's very sort of similar things it's that somebody is passionate about their topic it's that they're authentic that they sound like they care that they're interesting and kind of interested that they're prepared to answer questions they're prepared to maybe say they don't know if they don't Mm. know the answer often those things are not things about being a really slick presenter you know if you think about the things I just say I I didn't just say well they sort of stand there with this incredible presentation (laughs) skills and yeah what you're talking about is oh you know they, they were interesting and you can be really interesting and be quite quiet and introverted or you can be very knowledgeable and credible and that can be just as interesting so I think put yourself in the shoes of the listener so kind of put the foot on the other shoe and think well, what do you look for when somebody's really compelling? And then that often gives you confidence that probably you do more of that than you think. Mm-hmm. So that would be my first bit of advice. The second bit of advice to think about is ask for some very specific feedback on your presentation style. And I think start with what's the thing that you do the best? So often when you're thinking about presenting, you go straight to, I'm trying to improve my presentation skills. What do I need to do better? Actually starting with the question, I'm trying to improve my presentation skills what's the one thing you think I do best at the moment when I present is sometimes a better starting point Mm. because then you can actually build on the things that already make you good at presenting because everyone will have something. So for somebody, it might be about their energy and passion. For someone else, it might be about you're clearly really credible. You know your stuff. You've got lots of kind of technical knowledge and expertise. For other people, it might just be you're just really warm. You've just Mm -hmm. got a really nice warm sort of style. But knowing where your starting point is and then kind of building on that rather than trying to, like I say, come up with this polished presentation style. And I've seen people try to do that and actually become quite robotic. Yeah. And you sort of lose a sense of being authentic and kind of who you are. So ask for some feedback, but ask feedback about what you're already good at and go from there. also quite good for people to just try different things yeah so particularly you might look at somebody else and maybe they tell great stories or maybe they have awesome slides so I've, I've kind of watched people doing talks where some people say have no slides and I've kind yeah. of tried to do that kind of stuff and then some people I've seen have a, a hundred slides which when you hear it sounds like gosh madness the madness well, yeah, yeah. but they do it in such a slick way they never look at the slides and they are just they know clearly what those slides are, but they're talking and they're just using the slides behind almost as like as this illustration point and it creates a real dynamism in the presentation. And I think actually just trying a few things because even maybe if this isn't a confidence gremlin, you might be stuck in a bit of a rut with how you present. You yeah. might use a 10-slide PowerPoint every time and do the same thing and maybe that's good, but maybe you could be really, really good if you tried a few things out and that might feel a bit scary if you've never presented about slides before or you've never done it to 100 people or you've never told a story, a personal story. But actually you might find that you could become even better or you could develop a part of your skill in presenting that you didn't know you had if you just tried a few more things out. So I would encourage people to take that, look at what people do that you think is great and maybe just try some things in safe environments. Like it wouldn't be the first 500-person presentation that I would do. Just try them in safe environments just to see how it feels and get used to it being okay that sometimes a presentation doesn't go brilliantly and sometimes it goes brilliantly. Don't don't treat every presentation as this 
life or death career moment. Yeah, yeah. It's an opportunity for you to engage people and sometimes you do that really well and sometimes it's not quite as good, but that's okay. There's lots of times yeah. you can do it. And I think don't forget that you will feel these things much more acutely yeah. than everybody else. So, you know, when you're doing a presentation, it's the be-all and end-all because you're having to do it and you're standing at the front or you're at the front of a meeting room. And, of course, you hope people are listening, yeah. but I think don't overestimate, you know, how engaged everybody is with every single sentence you say. I've certainly done presentations where I'll say something and think, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> or I sound like a bit of an idiot. And in your own head, that can really throw you midway through, and I can guarantee that 99% of people won't have really noticed. So actually, kind of don't get caught up in those sort of mini moments of thinking, oh, that wasn't quite absolutely perfect. Another bit of advice that I had, which I try to use now and I've used much more recently is most people can only remember three things at once anyway. So before you even start thinking about a presentation, writing it or creating it in whatever way you're going to do it, what are the three things that you would want people to remember about what you're about to say? And just be really clear and be really specific about what those three things are. And then do your presentation. And after a week, so give people enough time to have forgotten, ask a few people, what can you remember about what I said in that meeting or in that presentation? And do those three things you know, can, can people kind of tell you what those three things were? Because actually, that's really tough. You know, if you ask me what I did yesterday, I think I'd actually have to t- stop and think for a few minutes because everyone has so much information to absorb now, so many messages to absorb. People are in loads of meetings. What you've really got to try and do is cut through often with a couple of key messages. And if you're not clear in your own mind what they are, you can't really expect other people to remember those either. So try and do that as a test. I think that's really useful. it can be a bit of a confidence crutch as well so I think sometimes if you go in knowing your three messages and then you think well if I start with my three messages so the three things I'm going to talk about today are x y and z and then you go into your presentation and then you close with the three messages then actually even if maybe you've waffled or you've forgotten to make a key point or whatever's happened in that middle bit of the presentation the fact that you've topped and tailed it with the same three messages can not only try to kind of put those points into people's minds but it can also be a bit of a confidence crutch for you that as long as I say these three things at the start and the finish it'll probably be okay it'll probably be okay (laughs) I've probably done an okay presentation so anything else that you think in terms of presenting that's uh... the only last uh it's not really a small thing because actually I think when you first do it it's uh, not usually a particularly fun thing definitely start practicing more presentations in safe environments don't apologize for thinking I'm getting a bit of practice in terms of my confidence with people I know really well or people who I know are not going to judge me too much. That's absolutely fine. I think as you become more confident, if you can be brave enough to watch yourself on film, mm. it can be incredibly helpful. Now, you know, you and I don't even like listening to ourselves back on the <laughs> podcast, so let alone watching myself on screen. But it's amazing how if you can be, and you're usually more critical about yourself than anyone else will be, by watching yourself, you can realise the certain words that you overuse. You know, you might have certain gestures that can actually be really distracting. I got some really helpful feedback from my boss saying I use the words kind of quite a lot. And I wasn't even aware of that, completely unconscious. So she'd have done that job for me of really just watching me present less about the content, but more about just my body language, my style, the words that I was using. And as soon as you use kind of too much, obviously you're sort of diminishing the kind of hard hittingness of your messages and it becomes distracting if you use it a lot. And she sort of really made the point if she'd done a little tally just to prove to me. Uh, I believed her, but just to prove to me just how much I used it as a phrase. And then just by me being conscious and aware of that, it's not a big deal. It still means that I can present and I'm a good presenter. I reckon I can cut it out 
maybe 50% of the time. Of course, I still say it. But I think I even said to you, oh, watch out for me saying that. I remember telling you once that when you present, you often cross your legs. Yeah. And you were like really unaware of it. But then I hardly ever see you do it now. You, you know that all of our listeners have been like counting now how many times it's said kind no, of. I am actually, I am actually now, but having said that, I think, oh no. <laughs> I think what's really good about that advice though is that, again, this concept of I'm not good at presenting or I'm not good at communicating can sound so big. But if someone can give you that really specific feedback, yeah. Helen, you cross your legs, Sarah, you say kind of, it takes it from being this unmanageable thing that's holding you back into being quite a specific thing that you can get your head around and you can do something about. And I think that is a lot less scary for people if they can get that feedback. So I think that is everything that we can tell you to start you off tackling your confidence gremlin. So we've talked about thinking about what other people do that you think is really, really good when they're presenting and seeing what you can maybe test and learn from what other people do. It's not about this perfect presentation all the time. It's about an authentic presentation that's real to you. Talked about getting some feedback and watching yourself and also focusing on three key messages. So that should hopefully get you on on a good start with overcoming your confidence gremlin. Don't forget as well, if you're going to test some of these things, that it can feel quite scary at first, and that's absolutely fine. Everybody feels the same. You're really trying to tackle something that you might have been unaware of for quite a long time. So I guess reward yourself, recognise when you're going above and beyond and you're really trying to do something about this confidence gremlin and stop it holding you back. And if you would like to hear more about our Confidence Gremlin series, you can listen to our next podcast and you can subscribe on iTunes and catch up on our 10-part series. Also, we've got a book all about confidence gremlins, which you can get from Amazon. And we'd love to hear from you and get your ideas for future podcasts. And you can do that on Twitter at amazing underscore if, where you can tweet us. And until next time, we'll leave you there. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 